we need to in the body of Christ. Lord, we all must be up and about our Father's business. So, Lord, I pray that you help us tonight, our hearts open, and we can receive your word. I pray your hand upon me that I may be able to share these things with your people, Lord, in a way that will ignite something in someone that we all can be that we need to be. We thank you for it again, Father, and we bless you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, I need a little help here. It's good to see all of y'all again tonight. Uh, we looking tonight at the exhorter motivational gift. And uh, we got we got to remember that God supernaturally puts those in the congregation who are supposed to be there. So I always remember that. And, and I say supernaturally because there's some folks that... Uh, that are here, if it hadn't been a move of God, you wouldn't be here, right? So, so that's, that's supernaturally. And uh, we all have a part to play. And here in Romans 12, we want to uh, begin reading in verse 1 tonight. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And you know, I want you to get a hold of that last two words right there. Reasonable service. God is not calling anyone to do anything that they're not able to do. Did you get that? God's not putting in you to do something that you can't do. If, it puts, if God puts it in you, you can do it. Because He... God, the word God says that who God calls, He equips. And then that's what these these classes that we've been going here now for, uh, I think tonight's the fifth time, uh, are about is equipping you for this to do the work of the ministry. So again, let me let me say this to you that that we equip you, the the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher equips the saints so they can do the work of the ministry. All the work of the ministry of Victory Fellowship Church is not left for Pastor Mark and Gabby to do. We're all to be involved in that. It's our reasonable service, so remember that. Think about that. Reasonable. Something reasonable. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Now, get a hold of this. You look around. And this, of course, this is not all the members of the body of Victor Fellowship Church, but you look around, we're all members of the body. And we're all members of the body of Christ. So we need to realize that. These ministry gifts, these motivational gifts, are spread out over the whole body of Christ. But the reason we look here is this, this is where we are collectively. So we are a body in the body. If, if that's a good way to say it, I know that don't hold up with natural science, uh, but we're a body in the body. Right. 
the Baptist church is a body in the body. So we're all in this. We're all in this thing together. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having been gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. And if prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Remember now this gift prophecy here, the motivational gift, is not the gift of standing up and prophesying things to come, events to happen. In this particular place, prophecy, uh, because a prophet was a seer, the prophet here is the eyes of the body of Christ. They see things that other people don't see, and they do that to help guard and protect the body of Christ from wolves sneaking in and coming in and, and, uh, and causing problems. Uh, our ministry, that is service. You remember we talked about that, the motivational gift of serving. The ministry of helps, helping, doing what you can to make it possible for the for Victory Fellowship Church to do what it does, and whatever it may be, and if it's the natural things, it's the the work things, and the servers, the hands of the body, and then he who teaches in teaching. This is what we talked about last week. Uh, teaching here then. Uh, the teacher wants the Word of God to go forth and the body to be grounded, the people in the church to be grounded. And the, uh, the teacher is the mind of the body because they want us to be filled with the Word of God. And uh, so that's something that's important. And then he said, Are he that exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, then let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now, again, everything we do has to be motivated by love. Now, I'm going to just use me for an example. And the reason I use me for an example a lot is I know me better than I know anybody else. Okay? And, uh, but you know why I'm doing this? Well, I feel like I felt God put it in my heart to do it. You know why I do this? It's not just because I'll have a chance to get up and, and preach. I could come to Mark and preach any time I wanted to, I guess. Uh, he, could, he's, he has the right to tell me no if he wants to. But I do it because I love you. Whatever you do, do it because you're motivated by love. That's so important that we understand that, regardless of what it is. That it's got to be motivated by love. Now, we're talking about the gift of exhortation. The word, the gift exhortation comes from the word exhort. And uh, the word exhort is found 14 times in the New Testament. And you can look it up in your concordance and Paul is talking, he uses it, as a matter of fact, Paul uses it 13 of those 14 times. Exhorting people. And, and the word exhort has four or five different meanings, but one of those is encouraging. Another one is comforting. As a matter of fact, the word exhort comes from the same uh, Greek word, root word, paraclete, that the term comforter comes from. If you remember, Jesus said in, in John chapter 14, when he was about to go away, he told those disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father. And he will send you another comforter. 
And then on down in that chapter, uh, verse 26, I believe it is, he, he says, but when, he, but when the Comforter has come. So, so we can look and say that we can come in there and we can say the, the exhorter. And what does the exhorter do? The Holy Spirit at that time, he's talking about the Holy Spirit now, and I'm not trying to make us the Holy Spirit, just this is for an example. The Holy Spirit as a paraclete, this comforter, he's an advocate, he's an encourager, he is a comforter, he is a strengthener, and he is an eternal standby. In other words, I don't mean to stand by waiting on, but he is standing by us all the time. Matter of fact, not only is he standing by us, he's standing in us. If you're a child of God, the Holy Spirit is there. So we think about that. And when we come to talk about the exhorter, the, then we think about an encourager. And that's what we want to look at. And uh, the exhorter is also called the gift of encouragement, and it's people-oriented, always. Uh, it's called the gift of encouragement for uh, to personal progress because an exhorter will encourage you individually just as he'll encourage a group. But he'll encourage you individually. And and, and the exhorter loves having people around them. They're not a loner. Uh, you don't see an exhorter standing off in the corner by himself not willing to mingle with the crowd. Matter of fact, he's probably going to be the one right in the middle trying to, to get things going. Exhorter has a very positive outlook. Uh, if if someone if you know someone I won't say you if you're this way but I say if you know someone that is always pessimistic about everything they don't have this motivational gift of exhortation I promise you because a person with this motivational gift is going to be optimistic they're going to see things in a good way uh, they they see the silver lining in every cloud. And instead of seeing just seeing the cloud, and they look for and commend the best in everyone. They have something good to say about people. Uh, I remember a story I heard years ago. This fellow that was just the meanest, roughest, old ornery kind of a guy in the community passed away. Well, there was another guy in the community that attended every funeral that took place in that area. And whenever they would get through with the service, he would always step to the graveside and he had something good to say about this person. Every time without fail. Well, like I said, this ornery old mean guy that bad to everybody and nobody liked him, he died. And so some of the folks wondered, well, I wonder if old, the old brother's going to have something good to say about him. Well, they got ready to fill the grave up, and he stepped up to the side of the grave, and he looked around, and he said, he sure could whistle. <laughs> That's an exhorter. That's the way they are. Uh, another thing about an exhorter is they'll usually go after people that no one else will have anything to do with. I mean, some folks will write people off, but an exhorter don't give up on nobody. Until this, there's, they're, they're drawn to people who are down. 
They can see that and they can see that someone needs encouragement in some way. And, and their goal is to empower that person especially, but others to feel good about themselves and to feel hopeful for the future. You see, and, and right now we need a lot of encouragers in the body of Christ. We need a lot of encouragers in the world. We need a lot of exhorters because you, you talk, I had a fellow tell me that he said, and, and you get a hold of this. We're fishing. Got through fishing. I was walking up to get the truck so we could load up the boat. And this guy come walking up through there, and, you know, we're sort of walking together. The very first words that come out of this mouth were, boy, this world's in a mess, ain't it? And I just told him, I don't know, we caught ten crop and three catfish. I'm pretty happy. <laughs> you know, but there's people that's that way. Nothing will work. You tell somebody you're going to take some kind of medical treatment, they'll tell you ten people it didn't work for. That's not a comforter. That's not an encourager. And if you sense that you have this gift, you need to begin to look at the positive side of things. You see, there's people that are, that are eternal optimists, and there's those that are eternal pessimists. I'm an optimist. I, I look for the good. And sometimes I don't, and I, make, I turn around and I make myself do that because, you know, you can find fault in anything. And if I can't find anything good to say, you remember Bambi? You remember Thumper and Bambi? He's standing there patting his foot and said, if you can't say something good about somebody, then just say nothing at all. That's a pretty good message right there, right? Some characteristics of this exhorter-motivated people. When helping others, they visualize achievements and prescribe steps of action. They normally have a lot of wisdom. In other words, like if somebody's an exhorter and somebody that's in debt bad comes to them, and says, man, what I need to do? I mean, how can I get out of this? It just looks like everything's going wrong and so the exhorter will give them some steps. Maybe the first thing they'll do is tell them to, to get rid of their credit cards. And uh, then he may tell them to, you know, to put you a budget. And then this exhorter may tell them to start tithing. You know, there's different things. And then they'll say, now, you start this, and then we'll talk again in a, in a few weeks and see how things are going. So, and they like to not only do things in steps to encourage people. And actually what they're doing is trying to make it simple. You know, instead of going up to somebody and saying, you know, they, they come and say, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm sending debt and, and just lambasting. Well, you need to learn how to handle your money better. Isn't that the first thing that most people say? So they look at it in a different way. They enjoy counseling those who are eager to follow these steps of action. I mean, they'll stick right with them, hang with them, whatever, the, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a, a family situation, uh, a parent having trouble with a child and the things they can tell them to do. One thing that motivates and exhorters, they're motivated by success. When, when they encourage someone and they counsel someone, and by the way, uh, this exhorter makes the best counselors they are because they're, they're upbeat and they're able to help people and they do it in a sensible way instead of some kind of off-the-wall 
kind of junk that people get into. Another thing that exhorters are they're known as pushers in the church. Well, let's get it done. Let's do that. Let's move. Let's work on this. They they push. They're faith oriented people. But and the reason is is because they believe the best. So they're to do that you gotta have faith. And they, they want to talk faith. Some people say, well, you know, this t- faith talk business, you need to go back and read Romans chapter 10 because it talks about faith speaking. And uh, in, Ma- in Mark chapter 11, Jesus talked about faith speaking. So if you've got faith, you need to be speaking it. And that's one thing that an exhorter does. They're very enthusiastic. You hardly ever see someone with this gift being down and out. They, they may have down times, but their goal is to not let people that they're working with and encouraging see them in their down times. You say, well, don't we need to be real with people? We need to be everything we can to be upbeat and encourage people. And here's the thing about it. Whether you have this motivational gift as encouragement is your number one gift, you need to be upbeat and encouraging with people that you talk to instead of putting people down and running people down and thinking that there's no hope for people. There's hope for everybody. You know why I say there's hope for everybody? Because there was hope for me. And there was hope for you. And if there hadn't been hope for me, then I could say, well, I guess there's not hope for everybody. But there is hope for everybody. They're very creative. They, they come up with things that a lot of folks wouldn't think of. And when they're counseling people, they're encouraging people, they'll use illustrations that are outside of the Bible. And another thing that they'll do is that if they're not careful, they'll take scriptures out of context and apply it to something just so it, you know, to fit their purpose. Uh, you can't, you can't do that. Uh, you gotta, you gotta keep scripture in the context that it's meant to be in. That don't mean you can't take a verse and use it in something. I mean, if you're, if you're talking to someone about, uh, you, you know, getting born again. There's no need to talking talking to that person about the Ten Commandments. Talk to them about what the Bible says about salvation, and and how that they need to be saved. They need the full attention and acceptance of those that are speaking to them. And then they're grieved when teaching's not practical. In other words, when somebody like me that has motivational gift of teaching don't make the teaching practical, they find fault with me, and rightly so, because that's something that a teacher needs to guard against is to be able to teach Word and, uh, and make it practical. Uh, a weaknesses of this exhorter motivated person is they have a tendency to bail people out of problems when God's at work. In other words, they want to, get, they want to help somebody get over it real quick. Somebody, you know, somebody may be having financial difficulties and they want to run out there and help them get money and and things like that to get them out of that difficulty. And they need to wait because God may be trying to help them see that they've got errors in their life financially and they need to straighten that out. Now, and their emphasis on steps of action may seem as oversimplification. They seem to oversimplify. They want to keep it simple, as simple as they possibly can as they uh, help people. Urgency in having plans may appear as overconfidence in them. In other words, 
they may feel like that they're trying to get this thing accomplished without the help of the Holy Spirit. We've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And because they're always up, people don't think they're serious people or they think they're faith, fake because they're always up. Uh, there's nothing wrong with us being upbeat, especially when you come to church. Now, if you've got problems, you come to church, you come to the right place. And then you don't need to stop and sit down in a seat and, and let your lips hit the floor. You need to do something about it. Uh, in uh, James, that same scripture it talks about, if any among you sick, let them call for the elders and anoint them with oil and pray over them in the name of the Lord. And prayer of faith will save the sick or heal the sick. Back before that, he said, if any is merry, let him sing psalms. But if any is burdened, let them pray. So you need to, if you've got problems and you come to church, you need to be willing to pray over those things so you can get those took care of and, and met so that next time you come to church, you can come upbeat and a high step just like anybody else does. Now, I don't talk, I'm not talking about being fake. I'm talking about let's be real. But folks, reality is not always down and out. Your life is not always the pits and down on bottom. So you need to think about that when you come to church. Come happy, joyful, ready, whether you got this motivational gift or not. And uh, people will see you're serious. They tend to get people to depend on them instead of depending on God. In other words, man, I, 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 I got to go talk to J.J. I'm, I'm just using that for example. I got to go talk to J.J. Well, why don't we talk to God? J.J. might be at work and can't talk to me right now. God will do. You know, he'll do. They have to be careful that they don't manipulate people with their gift. In other words, you can get their own following. That's what it, it's talking about here. Now, there's children that have this motivational gift of exhortation. And just a few characteristics of that. Uh, they have a problem with new concepts until they understand them and master them. Then they love them. Uh, that's talking about any kind of thing that a child does. Any kind of thing they come in contact with in their life. If it's a new concept, they don't have trouble with it. Sometimes they'll lay it down and go on and forget about it. But if you'll encourage them to continue on with that, then they'll master it and they'll love it. So like uh, cleaning their room. Boy, y'all sure are all quiet about that. I thought maybe you'd get a little stir up about that cleaning the room business, you know. You stay with them, maybe they'll master that thing after a while. <laughs> they adjust well to change and are not threatened by new situations. In other words, they could, they could move ten times in the next three years and they'll adjust to it. But here's another thing about it. And you may think, well, boy, my child's got that gift because saving things and money for the future is not in their character. <laughs> that don't mean if your child don't save things and, and money for the future, that don't mean they have this gift. It may mean that you need to do a little bit more teaching and training in that area. But sometimes, regardless of all the teaching and training, they still do stuff with it. Now, I always like to use the Bible. I'm a teacher. 
I like to use a Bible illustration. So the, the Bible illustration for this motivational gift of exhortation is Barnabas. Uh, in Acts chapter 4, uh, verse 36 and 37, And Joseph, which is Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Now, he, this fellow Joseph, the disciples saw real quick that he was really encouraging people, helping people, motivate people to... Uh, to get saved, to grow in the Lord, helping him any way that he could. He even had a piece of land, and he bought, he sold that piece of land and brought and gave that money to the disciples so they could help people with it. But the disciples saw something in him that they wasn't seeing in a lot of others, and so they named him the Son of Consolation or Son of Encouragement, which is the same word, Paracletus, is translated exhorter or encouragement so he was a son of encouragement so this is this is what he did this is just how he functioned in the early days in the body of Christ and you look on over in in Acts chapter 9 we find where Paul had got saved uh, and you know he had got saved on the road to Damascus and this was after witnessing and condoning the death of Stephen the, by stoning him and he got saved. Well, he immediately went to preaching there in Damascus what was going on. But then he had to flee Damascus because they were some of the Jews, some of the people that wanted to kill him. So he left Damascus and came to Jerusalem. And when he got back to Jerusalem, he was doing it sort of a hiding kind of a thing, you know. And, but he wanted to meet with the disciples. He wanted to meet the apostles and, and talk with them and share with them. But you can imagine, they didn't want to. They said, what do you mean? This is the man that was trying to get Christian people and, and put them to death. We don't have nothing to do with them. But Barnabas in Acts chapter 9, and when Saul or Paul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Now this was Barnabas that was telling these disciples this. In other words, he, was, he stood up for Paul. He was encouraging them to accept him. And he was encouraging Paul by doing this. And then and on down in Acts chapter 11 when the when the Christians began to go everywhere according to what uh, Jesus had told them. And, and uh, Matthew 28, Mark 16, uh, Luke 24, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And they were doing this. They had gone to, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it said, Go into Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so they had, they had done these things. And they had got all the way over past. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria and had come into the uttermost parts of the earth and Antioch, which was outside of that particular region. And there they had started a church. Well, Barnabas heard about this and he made his way to that church. And uh, he, 
And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. So you see, he was encouraging them. He was, he was using his motivational gift to strengthen the Christian people in this church. Okay, go to the next verse. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed from for Tarsus to seek Saul. Is that all of it? Well, anyway, when he found him, he brought him back to Antioch and encouraged him to lead the church. Him and Barnabas led the church together. And then you go on over in Acts chapter 12, and you'll see where that this at Antioch, this, this church, they spent time fasting and praying, and the Holy Spirit spoke to them and said to separate Paul and Barnabas and send them, up, send them out. So that's what they did. They went. They took a young man, and I, don't ha- I didn't put down the Scripture of this. They took a young man that later on wrote the book of Mark, and his name was John Mark, and he was actually Barnabas's nephew, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he went on a journey with them on this first missionary journey, but they got to about the third city, and whatever happened, he got homesick, cold feet, or whatever, John Mark did, and he left and came back. He came back to Jerusalem or to Antioch. Well, Paul and Barnabas made this first missionary journey. They came back to Jerusalem later on at the end of this journey and reported it to the apostles what had happened. All these Gentiles getting saved and getting delivered and getting healed and all of these things happening. And so they were getting ready to set out on their second missionary journey. So Barnabas, the encourager, said, let's take John Mark with us. Paul said, no, we're not taking him with us. He left us. He departed. And Barnabas said, but we need to. He needs this experience. He needs to be willing to go. He needs to be able to go. Let's take him with us. And it said the contention became so sharp between them that they parted ways. Paul took Silas and went one way. Barnabas took John Mark and went another way. But Paul, I believe, I've always felt like that Paul was at fault for that. But that's something that him and God worked out, I know. So, because God kept using him. But later on, uh, in one of the epistles that he wrote, he said, said, come soon, and when you come, bring John Mark with you because he's profitable to me in the ministry. So Paul saw the growth in him. He heard the word that was coming, and it was because Barnabas was willing to fulfill his motivational gift of encouragement and help him out at that time. So you see, when we, when we function in the gift that we have, and as you've done this spiritual gift survey, there's, there's one that sticks out more than the others. And understand this, when you do what you are designed by God to do in the body of Christ, it's going to benefit the body of Christ and chances are it's going to benefit individuals. So regardless of what that is, then do it. Do it love and love. And let, let the results that only God can bring motivate you in that. Okay? Anybody have any, any question or comment? No questions? I, 